So, Neil, whose surname I don't know, <laughs> is an architect. Do you want to give people your surname? It's Kahawata, which is quite a complicated Brilliant. one. Brilliant, that's yeah. a good one, isn't it? <laughs> Don't yeah. tell them. Let them, let them know. <laughs> Google it. And what sort of work do you do in terms of architecture? Um, at the moment, sort of 90% residential work, but in the past I've done quite a very varied range of things, working sort of internationally, universities, um, residential, a little bit of mixed use, sort of. And I, I'm now practising by myself and sort of starting with fairly small projects, but gradually building up to Do you have a, a website anywhere people can see your work? Um, a, a small amount is on the website. The website's growing as we speak. Do you want to tell people what the website is? <laughs> it's, it's my name, which is neilkahata.com. It's not like easy for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Pomery. Um, an architectural artist, is that the correct? An architectural illustrator. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's not painting the... Uh, and a comics artist as well. As, and someone who had a role in putting this exhibition together as well. That's right. We'll yeah. get back to that. Okay. <laughs> uh, Alison Sampson, architect and comics creator. Yes. At the moment, I'm just drawing comics, but I'm really new to it. And my last job... My last architecture job was I wrote the retail guide for King's Cross train station, so uh, which is really recent. It's been just been refurbished. So what my architecture work is about it goes into sort of two halves. It's working for big firms on like um, complex public projects, so things like King's Cross and big housing estates and universities. And um, a big part of my work is working on the refurbishment of of things like King's Cross or big housing estate, like I say, sort of tw- modern listed ha- housing estates and that kind of thing, so it's like a con- lot, lot of concrete, a lot of going into people's flats and looking at their mould. <laughs> and also, as I say, uni- um, higher education buildings, so I designed, there was, there's a prize called the Sterling Prize, which was um, which is an architecture prize, and we, I, I, I led a university project that got to the last 15 in that this last year, so it's all really, really recent. And anyway, so why are you drawing comics? And some of what happened was one of my contracts came to an end and somebody asked me, just really randomly, when I'd done about four pages of comics in all, to draw their graphic novel. And I just kind of thought, yeah, okay. And, and that's why I maintain anybody can draw comics, because I really am anybody. And um, so I said yes, and then I did it. And then some of the work from that's on the wall. And that's my first, effectively my first comic. And it did really well, and then somebody asked me to do another, so that's where I am at the moment. And Tim Bird, comics creator and flaneur, would that be... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we go there? Yeah, flaneur. Yeah, I'll take it. You like to go for a wand, <laughs> don't you? Um, <laughs> no, no architectural abilities at all. We've done it in that order. No, we haven't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, if we go back to your own, just in terms of the show, how did you get involved in uh, helping to put it together? Um, I've been involved uh, slightly with the NEC Gallery on some previous s- stuff and I was talking to them about some of their upcoming shows and they were interested in putting together a, I'm not quite sure what it was then, it was more like an anime based exhibition they were hoping to put on and, uh, but linking it with architecture and sort of, uh, those kind of those kind of things. I know nothing about that really, but I did know a few sort of UK creators who were doing stuff with architecture that I liked and and so, yeah, I sort of came on board as a sort of, yeah, researching those people and putting them forward that I thought would be good for the show. There's some strong choices. 
All strong choices. All strong choices. They're not all hits. So we need to all hits. <laughs> Great choices. <laughs> and were they all? I know uh, you know some of the people involved are people you've you've worked alongside other publishers uh, like Avery Hill. But were they all people you knew personally, or people who, whose work you knew of? It was work that I knew of, and it's like the long list was uh, obviously there's, there's a lot of people who use architecture in their work to great effect. But we obviously we needed to shortlist it and make sure like the, the breadth of, of that was was shown. So there's a whole range of styles on on the wall at the moment, which was quite important. We didn't want to just like do one particular particular sort of area. Yes, yeah, a nice range of, of styles, and also. The use of architecture within the comics, uh, I think, is, is a, a nice range as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, people are doing very different things. You've got Lando using sort of science fiction sort of landscapes, with, but still very sort of believable and architectural. And, and then you have uh, uh, Tim Bird, who's sort of taking inspiration from sort of London itself and putting like very sort of real places on all this infrastructure series. And they're, they're completely different approaches, but, but both embracing architecture hugely. And your work itself between the billboards, do you want to give people a little overview about what that project is? Uh, yeah, I did a six-part series which I self-published called Between the Billboards, which was uh, heavily based in a city landscape, a sort of abstracted city, which is based on sort of a composite of various cities. And it's about, uh, I don't know, uh, an existential crisis and sort of about urban isolation and the downfall and perils of shutting yourself off from society really. it's a really cheery, cheery <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's good for kids <laughs> and Alison your piece that's in the exhibition uh, Genesis, do you want to just give people an idea about what that is? Genesis is a very very short graphic novel the premise of the book is here is a man who can manifest anything this, this guy, this power comes upon him and there's a lot of ways that story could go and I worked with an American writer called Nathan Edmondson, and who scripted it. And it's it's a joint thing between me and him. And I think I think it worked it worked really well. And it's what hap- It's it's the actual outcome of actually having that power. And, and as you'd expect, the first the first thing he does is he makes it. You know, he makes everybody else better. Then he gratifies himself. And then what happens? And of course, it it just all goes horribly wrong. And and so on. And really, um, this guy, I mean, he's a, Nathan's a guy who, you know, he writes spy comics and stuff with people with, you know, people with guns and things. The Punisher. The Punisher. And this was a real departure for him, where it, it's, basically, it's basically an experiment. And I think it's amazing, you know, that this guy wrote this thing and we didn't know how it was going to work and we didn't know if anyone would buy it and... We, it's almost like putting out a poem or something, and it did. Re- it, was, it was great because we did it. And we we had no idea how we people would respond, and it seems people did. And I, that's fantastic. I mean, to put out a pe- something that's not completely transparent and people can respond to it. So so it's it's you'd have to read it. <laughs> I mean, so I'm sorry. It's got a talking bear. People like bear. As taglines go. <laughs> it's got a talking bear. Yes. The bear's cute. Tim, any talking bears in? No talking uh, bears. No, I know. Asked. That's no talking works. bears. No. So, uh, grey area is, or from the city to, to the sea, is a sort of a, a document of my journey from 
from London to, to the sea, I walked from Uxbridge to Shoebury on this. So the idea was to go from within the M25 to the edge of the country. And documenting what you found. Yeah, and, the, so, and then the comic is kind of reflections on the, the places I passed through. So it starts off in the city and goes through the suburbs and the edgelands and the estuary and the, to the sea. And I think I'm, I'm doing a disservice by saying documentary because it's it's very it's psychogeographical, isn't it? It's you. Yeah, it's not. I'm, I'm not just saying I walked here. Yeah, and then here's a drawing of a building. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. On the so way, it's, yeah. it's more what I was thinking about at, at the time, I suppose. Meditation. Yeah, yeah. Meditation is nice, nice way of it. It's not as good as talking bear, but no, that's the next And you work in the comic. You, you, it's very formalistic in terms of using panels and, and whatnot. How, how deliberate was that to sort of have these meditations but have it framed in a very sort of... Yeah, because there's quite a lot of text, so I like to break it down so the text creates sort of a rhythm, um, which is sort of kind of like a walking rhythm. And so to do that, it's quite... I think it works quite well if you have regular panel structures and kind of jump from panel to panel and... It makes this rhythm as you read it. Yeah, it's using the structure of comics to yeah. sort of... Yeah, it's uh, smart. So, yeah, and usually people will use that to break up the images to uh, mm. allow for time to be. You're using it to break up the words to give it a Yeah, yeah, shape. and it gets more open as it gets out of the city to the sea. It ends up being quite large panels and they're kind of spread out so there's empty bits in there as well. And Alison, you were saying your work is, in terms of architecture, if you had to summarise in one, it would be concrete, or concrete yeah, structures. Yeah, I, I yeah. Um, but yeah, in, I was going to say, in, in the comic, it's, complex. It, it's the opposite of that, isn't it? There's an, the, the, the power that the man gets gives every structure an yeah. elasticity. How, yes, how, how nice was that for you? And, to and also, kind of, kind of really importantly, um, Nathan, as I say, who wrote the script, he, he's really interested in screenwriting, and his script is more, I don't think he knows this, but it's more like a screenplay where things are moving. So in one, this is really unusual in comics, where in one panel there's something happening, normally something happens, and then something else happens, and then something else happens. But in his comics, in one panel, you'll go, there's something moving, and this happens, and it becomes this in a single panel. And that is what happened here, where everything is always coming. And using the word elasticity is really apt because that's what the work has to look like because it's moving, and you know it's, it's going from being one thing to another in a single panel. So, so the art has to be drawn in a certain way to indicate movement in something that wouldn't normally be moving, and and that 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 very much character, characterises that book. It's it's a kind of trope of Nathan's work. And um, it came out a lot here because I was drawing a lot of backgrounds and all, all sort of spaces. And he was asking me to, you know, that, that um, there's a panel, the, the near side uh, on the left, on the lower row, there's a school that's rising out. In a single panel, the description is, school's rising out of the ground in Haiti. There's some <laughs> school children watching and clapping. And you're like, okay, a school in Haiti, search Haiti, what does a school look like? in Haiti, what the school rising out of the ground look like, <laughs> how are people going to know it's a school when they only get one view of it, so uh, I mean I was quite lucky because the practice I worked for had done a school in Malawi and I could just take the architectural devices 
that they'd used on their African school, and, and it's, it's, it's John McCaslin's Malawi school, but not, I mean, I had to kind of convert it and just, but, but I, had to, I had to study it, so I could, I could use that, but I mean, that's, that's what characteristics, characterises that is, I had, to, everything is moving, and I had to draw on a tremendous amount of architectural references to draw it, that you had all these kind of design problems. And there's stuff like there's stuff like that on every page. Um, and it's interesting as well because, like, for for writers who are giving a script to an artist, the golden rule is don't try and get them to do five things in one panel. It's the worst thing you can get, isn't it? On like, like, five <laughs> scripts, and like, so they jump over the wall, land, shoot a gun, grab something, and then run away. That's and you're like, that's, that's at least five panels. That, 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 that is what he does. If yeah. you look at his work, because as you say, like in that. one one panel. Showing a, a, an establishing shot is one thing, yeah. but giving the impression of rising, that's two panels, isn't it? Because you no. need it to be one level or another, it's but you have and, to. And, and people responding, and them in background, and it being geographically located. And this is, what, this is why Genesis is so dense, because I, I really honestly thought I was drawing a series in one book. I was thinking, I'm sure this could be two pages when it's one. <laughs> um, but if you look at Nathan's work, all his books are like that. And I talked to his Marvel editor, and I said, this, this thing I've just said really characterises his work into the air. Does <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, that's, and I, you know, let film notice sort it out. You can do it. Um, so, so that's kind of people. People say, why does Nathan get these particular artists? It's because he gets these particular artists to do that. Um, but it's quite. I imagine good for you as a as an artist to have this sort of baptism yeah. of fire, whereby. Oh, it wasn't a baptism of fire. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I remember, it's my first comic. Yeah. I didn't know any different. <laughs> Then you spoke like, to people and they're like, I, no, they shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is exciting. There's <laughs> lots going on. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a really terrible editor, so I thought it was great. <laughs> I know, and in terms of between the billboards, obviously uh, the city plays a major role in it. But again, you use the structure of comics to complement that. Uh, yeah, I think so, uh, if you're thinking the same <laughs> thinking, yeah. um, Say how you're thinking. I'll just nod, even if, it, even if it's different. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily think the structure of comics um, benefited revealing the city. Uh, I was more, I use it more as a sort of timing thing. So with Tim, um, but visually, I suppose, with that sort of pacing of when things are sort of revealed and sort of get that sense of sort of time passing, which is a big part of between billboards and that sort of uh, that sort of quiet continuation of time that goes through the whole thing see it's I'm thinking the verticality of the page which I think is something that you use particularly well on the page your, your work one of the things that I like about it and we've, we've spoke about specific examples is your work has a horizon, horizontality I don't know if that's correct <laughs> um, but uh, it moves across the page and has a flow in that way but you're very good at having the columns work as well as the rows in terms of having correspondences and pattern and movement, which I think, particularly in an urban structure, and the, 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 the backdrop you've given it works particularly well. I hope so, yeah. And I use those sort of nine panel grids quite a lot to give that kind of constrained feel because the whole sort of story is about constraint and the sort of enclosure of the city. So I think as you sort of read through it, hopefully you get that feel as well. And my sort of signature if you will, vertical line sort of hatching sort of emphasises that and gives that sort of texture and sort of density which also is reflected in the city that it's trying to represent. But the city itself is like a sort of abstracted city, as I say, and, and there's nothing in there that's sort of identifiable as a particular place. 
and it's supposed to feel like this kind of almost nether city that you don't know. And just to talk about some of the creators who aren't here, what you're saying there about the, the, the sort of spirit of the place, that's something that comes out in Hannah Berry's work as well, isn't it? I mean, she did a wonderful sort of process piece online where she took you through level by level, layer by layer, putting it together. And she's very definite in her choices of the type of pen she's using, the type of line she's making with that pen, the type of colouring she's using, the way that lights work in, in that structure, and, and the way the buildings are interacting with the people to make it feel oppressive. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that was a great piece that she she posted, and yeah, to explain those sort of choices that you make as you go through, and to yeah, to a different effect than how I use it, for example, which is um, my work is quite minimal by comparison, but they they both sort of reflect different sort of ways of yeah, representing it, I suppose. And as you said earlier as well, you've got Lando stuff where it's these sort of you know impossible spaces, but the fact that there is such a strong architectural feel to it that it gives it a firmness that, you know, no matter how bizarre the world may appear, exactly, it gives yeah. it a, a reality. Yeah. I mean, those stories couldn't be as fantastic as they are and be so believable that it wasn't for the way he represents them. And that's the massive strength in his, in his work, that you do sort of buy into the world that he's created through his line work and how he represents it. I mean, he's, tr- he's tremendously competent. I mean, you say they're impossible spaces, but kind of... They're a lot more possible than mine. I mean, they're, they're a lot more possible than mine are. I mean, they're finished. Uh, he, you know, you look at his work and you think that's a space. It's completely coherent. You can understand what everything you're looking at is, even if it's quite minimal. You can say that's a bed and that's a dog and that's a room and that's a room and it's all. And you can believe the space and it, it's it's all finished. All the lines close. He's so meticulous as an artist, isn't he? In terms of, as you say, the line work, but also. His, his transitions it's, as well. It's very, thought, it's very thoughtful. It's very easy to have all these kind of loose lines and not and just have parts of your 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 artwork that aren't um, what's the word resolved. Resolved, yeah. Because people don't people don't see the world in a resolved way. You know, they'll focus on one thing and not see see another. Whereas it is resolved, mm. and that's that's why it's so believable. You know, it's not a world you know, but you do believe it because it's just like yeah, it works. That's great. I mean, it's really, really hard to do. Definitely. And John's use of, of architecture, I mean, in Capital City, the piece that's uh, in here, it's almost like the buildings are personifications of the things he's talking about. They turn into the monsters that uh, he's describing. Yeah, I mean, that's almost the opposite to sort of Lando's approach, but it's effective in a different way, I suppose. Yeah, so he's sort of adding sort of character and those are impossible sort of uh, images that he creates and that they are quite fantastic yeah and certainly like you were saying the the city that uh, between the billboards is set in is a blend of different places and obviously Genesis is by its very nature about fictionalised spaces it's largely set it's set in specific places in the world and some of it's in space (laughs) <laughs> and some of it's in my house, <laughs> so it's com- kind of convenient. I mean, there are there are locations there are locations for things, and and sometimes when there are locations, I can tell you where something is physically in the world. Like um, the on the top row on the left hand side of the piece on the right, that's a house in San Diego, and it's by a specific architect, which I can tell you about. And you know, so that these are. These are real places, but you go in, you go inside that house in San Diego, and it's in Charles Lean's house in San Francisco, and then you walk into another room. It's in my kitchen. <laughs> and so, although it works as you read it, 
um, you know, this is all believable that you walk from one room to another. It's not all the same building in the same place. It's it's, it's to make the story, you know, the inside, the inside of the house is not actually the same interior of the same house as the outside is, for example. I mean, I, I don't see why it should be. That's design. And getting back to, to John's piece as well, like his and, and yours, Tim, are probably the, the, the closest in terms of geographical location in that they're both based around London, but very different uh, takes on it. And I think a testament to comics as a medium where you can have these two pieces that are about the spirit of a place, but capturing very different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yours has a much more, as we said earlier, meditative tone. Because uh, obviously John's is... Uh, it's a rant, isn't yeah, it? And that's, that's, not, that's <laughs> nothing against it. It's a brilliant rant, and we need rants as well. Yeah. But um, it, yours has a very different tone and feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah I suppose I quite try and find quieter parts of the city, whereas John is sort of distorting, like, the ang- angry... You were going for a nice walk, I mean. There's, yeah, no, yeah, there's yeah. no reason to get annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it rains and you've forgotten your umbrella, there's no yeah. need to... And even then, you're not going to rail against London, are no, you? No, no, I just... <laughs> But you've done sort of fantastical things in earlier uh, iterations, Barry, haven't you? Um, Yeah, I suppose in the the previous one was about motorways, and at the end, the guy just ran out of motorway and floated off into space (laughs) (laughs) instead of ending the comic. (laughs) (laughs) Just floated away. So Neil, you're not a comics reader. Would that be fair? That would be fair. Yeah, yeah. you know I, where I, you are. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I realise I'm the imposter here. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but you came along. Did you come along um, for the private view? Yes, I did. and you had a look at yeah. the work. And mm-hmm. um, how do you, you feel about the work generally? Um, it's quite interesting the, the diversity of it, which is sort of the first point that you made. Because um, I suppose in the way I, I I know Owen's work quite well, and so I suppose I had a bit of a preconception of how architecture and comics might overlap and there is one way that they overlap which I've seen particularly in between the billboards of Owens but actually it was really interesting then to meet Arsene and then see her work which is you know it, it's produced in a very different way but it's interesting then to learn that she's also an architect and, and you know it's coming from a, a similar set of backgrounds on, on one level but it's producing something quite differently so the other thing that was really that I was thinking about is at the convention for architect is to draw in a way which is completely different from this. I mean, it's not sequential. It's not about sort of... Uh, there's a lot of more like before and after drawing. This is how something exists now. This is how it's going to be. And that's the sort of convention that's often required. But actually, it, it would be really interesting if, if more of this sort of technique could be used in developing and presenting architecture. Um, I've, I've done some work teaching architecture to first-year students, and you're, you're always sort of trying to get them not to draw in the way they assume that architects draw, which is plans and sections. Technical. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which can often, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it often ends up being quite dry. And, and or, or it's quite easy for them to sort of ignore the, the human aspects of architecture or the time-based a- aspects or the climatic or all these sorts of things that you really want them to think about. Um, and so I, I sort of looking at some of these, I was just sort of thinking, you know, if it, it would be really nice to be able to, to show this to students of architecture and say, try describing your project this way. Because um, it, it it might be a, a, a more enriching way of of sort of exploring what you're doing. It is some, it is something I've thought about quite a lot. That um, I, I've been asked to pitch actually to St Martin's, which I haven't done yet, about something like that. That um, 
the head of Central St. Martin's at the moment is an architect. And um, I just caught up with him recently and was, was telling him about this. But this is hugely architectural. And it's, it's a lot of it's about um, getting, uh, what's the word, editing and communicating and telling a story. And that's really what arch architecture work isn't, is, often isn't what people think it is. As architecture work is, is really about communication. Um, where you're trying to either communicate with your clients and define what they want and depict that in a way that they can understand, or you're trying to identify the thing that you're going to do, and which is why we're talking about before and after things, which I'm quite familiar with, where it's sort of going from A to B, and uh, or trying to define what you're going to do and, and convey that clearly. And this is entirely what comics is about. It's about being, it's about clarity and focus and, and picking the moment yeah I mean one of the biggest similarities I've seen between the two is on a very sort of basic level they're both communication design and I've, I found that um, through working in comics after architecture it's just trying to in architecture trying to convey your concept and in uh, comics you're trying to convey your narrative or your idea or your story but a lot of the techniques are the same I think yeah I mean last what was it The Wicked and the Divine the last issue I was commissioned to do a plan uh, which I did, and um, in in the comic, and it was straight out of my work, out of my architecture work. <laughs> we did we do plans like that. I and it could easily have been done in a commercial setting. I mean, I did it. I did it in comics time, so it was done really quickly. <laughs> but if I'd done it in say an architecture setting, I'd taken a lot longer. <laughs> she paid a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so it's kind of a sort of pseudo thing, but it's um, yeah. It, you, you can use exactly the same devices as architecture if you want and we, we don't and it, it, it works both ways actually you know this enrich architecture architecture can enrich this and, and does and you know and the thing about comics is unlike architecture where you, you're beholden to your client and your budget and your many many more things gravity all sorts of stuff <laughs> 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 comics you're not so you can in a, in a way, it's a bit like a comparative study. You can explore in comics, and you can find out what works. And I actually, I do think it's a good educational mm. thing, or a good it'd be a good client thing to you could explore something more loosely in this kind of way, and you could find out actually what people like. Which, if you're talking to an architecture client, you know, you're talking to a real person, and um, what you're trying to divine, you're trying it's quite a weird job. You're trying to divine their dreams. That they're not necessarily able to tell you what they want, so they maybe don't know, and you have to put things in front of them that are sort of kind of what they want. You think what they might want, and then they'll make choices based on what you show them, and then it's a kind of iterative process. And this, this in a way, is the extreme of that. I mean, I, I mean that is partly the attraction of drawing comics. Is it's a lot of the good bits of architecture without any. <laughs> well, I was uh, talking to Owen about a, a thing that occurred to me the other day. Like, how much is architecture influenced by fictional spaces? You know, it, it, I, and I was thinking, I was comparing it to like concept cars that you get in sort of motor design, <coughs> where they're cars that work in a way but aren't practical to use on the road, but then elements from those can transfer to sort of road vehicles. Is there, is there something in architecture where you look at films and you look at animation and you look at, mm -hmm. at drawings and, and even if you can't, as I say, take the whole, the whole piece, there's elements that can, 
I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of speculative work in architecture, um, in the academic side of architecture, but also in competitions and um, particularly sort of certain competitions are, are very geared towards what they're often called ideas competitions, which often translates to them not being particularly buildable necessarily in, in the immediate term. But it's the gravity be, thing again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the skyhooks, yeah. But, um, but, but I suppose that... So there is that similarity, but, but I mean that often doesn't translate, or it doesn't always translate into the sort of the everyday of architecture. And I suppose that's what I was getting at when I was saying that there's sometimes an assumption that architecture has to be quite sort of bland in a way, and not not show, not be as um, provocative about what it what it, thinking about what it could be, and, and, and sort of testing other ideas, but also about thinking about it in quite a sort of black and white way. I don't mean literally, but I mean sort of trying to sort of maybe not representing the, the mess of life or the mess of... of, of and and that when, I think the interesting thing for comics is that you're generally dealing with a narrative. So actually all that stuff helps, whether it's a neat drawing or, or a messy drawing or whatever, but, it, but it's, they're all devices for explaining how architecture is inhabited. And I, I, one of my tutors always used to tell us when we were drawing spaces for our architectural projects, he always used to sort of ask us not to draw the people that were in the space but to sort of imagine if the person had just walked off out of shot and how we knew who, whose space that was. I thought that was quite an interesting device, and it was about what you leave it within, within the view, within the perspective, um, the way the space is arranged. So you're actually telling a story, um, but... But you uh, don't have the character. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a yeah. character, but it was, you are sort of, in a way, you're, you're telling a story about a character and hence explaining why the space is as it is. Um, but, but by using the sort of apparel that they would have left or, 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 or the, you know, the way something's been positioned on a table or what's been left on the table or, or, or all those sorts of things. How high the table is yeah. or, or just everything. I mean, that, that's... I mean, I mean, architecture, you have to think about a lot of stuff. I mean, you're essentially a dilettante at everything. You're a dilettante at people's lives and you, you really do have to go and find out what they do and what they like. You have to learn a lot about what they do. But there is... But, in describing that, there is the big difference as well, that it is, as you say, the person's left the room, whereas the person's in the room. And, um, and, and this, is, this, this is kind of a huge difference from architecture to comics, that architecture is not, is not what comics is, because, uh, because comics is the whole thing. So, I mean, this is, this is why I find colouring comics incredibly difficult, because in life, um, people bring the colour and the life, and in comics... You might be doing that with something that's applied to the surface, and there's a lot more. You know, color is used in a different way. There are differences, which are a total. You know, say we're in a beautiful room and we have this wood color and it's white, and the lighting is just such a thing. But if you were in a comic, it could all be red, <laughs> and you know, and and it, it's all sort of your your comic is is doing some of the work that the life that the the transient life. Of the building has and the character of the people and the noise they make and all these other things they do which you can't see in a comic. So, and that that's quite that's quite a big difference. I'm not saying architecture is more conservative. It isn't necessarily. I, I have actually experimented with this where I got Jock involved in our um, the the artist involved in our Oxford Brooks building. He came in and did some artwork for it, and they didn't pay him, so we've never shown anybody. But <laughs> he did get involved about how to bring colour to space, bring colour and light to spaces in such a way is really good. Which I should 
should show somebody at some stage. Yeah, I'd really like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so you could just show me. Yeah, I, can, I, can, I, can prob- I can probably just show you. I, if I can find it. I was, it's, it's, it's like gold dust, isn't it? It's like uh, this amazing project of jocks that nobody's ever seen. Yeah. And the kind of work that I wouldn't imagine doing. That's the thing that really intrigues it's me. Really, be, yeah. He found it really hard. So, so, so architecture, there, there, there are these differences. It's your... Know, you have a kind of completely realised world and architecture is a shell and a vessel. And you'll have other projects relating to sort of buildings and architecture, way analogue visions I'm thinking of and is your... Yeah, like I say, I'm an architectural illustrator which is sort of, I guess, a sort of hybrid of the two in many ways as you're talking about before about um, keeping all the fun stuff. You know, I feel like it's a bit like that. I get to draw and, and represent sort of spaces which is nice as opposed to having to actually Somebody else makes them work. Hopefully, <laughs> <Thanks>. um, <laughs> um, yeah. so that's so that's that's really nice. And it's, and then it does become purely a, a, an exercise in communication design, and it's just about making that space as believable or as, or well, not necessarily believable. It's about um, deciding with the with the client what is the what is the aspect you want to uh, show or enhance or or play to, and yeah, and that. Even like a single image is like a sort of mini story in itself. I was, well, that's how I view it anyway. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's somewhere bet- sits somewhere between comics and architecture. I feel quite an interesting process that I've been through, which sort of relates to analog vision. Like the Owen's done a drawing for me of a very small project that I was working on, and I've also worked with other people to do visualizations using different media. But it's a really interesting process from from the architect's point of view to have to communicate to somebody who's then going to produce an image of your building um, what, what it is that, that they're producing. And it's, 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 a, it's definitely a dialogue, and it's, it, it, sort of, it actually forces you as the architect to think about your building a bit more than you might otherwise have had to. Because as you start constructing the image, it, sort of, it raises lots of questions, and, and, and it shows you things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, and, or, or they make assumptions, and then you have to say, oh, well, I sort of thought it was going to be this way. And it, so, so it actually... It can inform the design process as well. I'm thinking of a police sketch artist for some reason. Like, like you're sort of going, no, the eyebrows are a little, a little bushy. Right? The window sills are a little bushy. Yeah, it is like that. It's exactly like that. Because you're sort of impartial when you start out. You're just like, I have no, uh, I don't know the concept of this. I don't know what is important. I'm just literally just he- hearing what you say yeah. and and uh, and trying to uh, create. And you have to, uh, yeah, say communicate, emphasise what 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 are the key elements, and then and then they'll come in and they tell you that they don't like the eyebrows, and you have to change it, <laughs> yeah. and then you do, <laughs> and then you change everything else to make it work. And then you're like, it's a housing estate. The eyebrows are probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually have had to take the eyebrows off the building. <laughs> There's um, a building just up the road called Palestra. Do you do you know that one? It's on um, Blackfriars Road. Big, check building with a box on the top, flying box on the top of it. Huge office building. And um, I, I was a project architect for that. And the way that worked was my boss gave me a painting. It's one painting, really annoyingly. Some people, other, other architects in the office got more than one. I only got one. And it was like, it, it was some kind of cloud. It was, it was, it was pink with spots on. And it would go off and so, there you go. And you turn that into a building. And um, the idea is, is the concept. So the concept of this building is this cloud. This is a real build, a real building, and it's very successful. It's been up about, I don't know, about six, seven years. And um, it had it been a cloud. It had this kind of outside sort of screen on it. And um, 
and the client just didn't want to pay for this thing that was a follow through of the concept. You know, like, why is it? It was just a complete pain in the ass, <laughs> frankly. And, um, and they, they made us, they wouldn't pay for it and made us take it off, and we did. And, uh, I mean, it's, and, and at that point, my boss stopped liking the project and <laughs> didn't really work on it ever again. But um, yeah, that, 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 that's, how, that's how it works. It's their, mo- it's their money, and it's a lot of money. You, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's hugely collaborative. And even though that, that person I was working with, who's well-known for being a starchitect, he's very egotistical, he's well-known for that, <laughs> um, even that was hugely collaborative, you know, where you were like, you had to listen to your, where the money was coming from. And you had to, work, you had to think of good ideas to, you know, if you wanted to keep the eyebrows on, you had to make them, <laughs> make them work within the bounds of what your client wanted. So now I took them off. Uh, he, he had all sorts of stuff. I mean, he had a studio downstairs from our office where he'd get all these girls in and paint them naked and stuff. That's what he was doing. It's for the buildings, not <laughs> um, Talking of collaborations, do you want to tell us about Think of a City? Yeah, um, Think of a City is this monster project with... Um, currently, it's got about between 170 and 180 people working on it, or sequentially working on it. There were, it's, it's what's called an exquisite corpse. So somebody does a piece of art and then somebody else riffs on that art and does another piece of art and then somebody else does it. So that's why it's, a really, it's going to be really long. And we've, done about, we've, done, we've just done 33 so far out of as many. And what we're doing is we're gradually drawing a city piece by piece, page by page. And it's like a real city because it, it's made of all these individuals with different points of view. And... We don't edit it, and we, we don't tell them what to do at all. I mean, we, we, we're, very, we're very strict about our format, and people get their drawings sent back if it's the wrong shape, but we don't say anything about what's on it. Yeah, so, so it's, it's growing like a city grows, where, where originally when cities started, somebody would come from the countryside to the city and set up a shop, and then somebody would come up and build a house, and somebody else would come up and sweep the streets, and somebody else would come up and, I don't know, put a litter bin there, and... It's, it's that incremental, and people can draw what they like, and they do, and they, they, br- they bring a bit of themselves to it, and, and, that, and that's what it is. And, I mean, it's a really, really ambitious project, and we're going to be, do- we're going to be doing it in four years' time, probably, well, providing I, I, I will still do it. So, so, so it's kind of, it's a, so basically aiming for exhibition. We, we decided we were going to do an exhibition, and we, we started with, I think, maybe six or seven people, and... Then we thought, actually, this is this being a city. It should be a mass project. We we need to we need to get a lot of people involved. You can't have a city with six people. You can't have a city with two people, and you certainly can't control it. You have to you have to push it out to the mass to the mass, because that's what cities are like. Yeah, we we, we will continue to grow for a bit. I mean, it, it's it's not paid. You know, they they all own their own artwork. It is ours. It is, it is our thing. I don't know if any of you read Invisible Cities by Italo Calvino. Have you ever read that? And they're all drawing... I mean, Calvino has this series of stories where he describes different, ostensibly different cities in different ways. But actually, he's, he's always talking about Venice. And we are all... I mean, all these people who are drawing our city, they're all drawing the same city. And it's sequential. It's, it's, a, it's like you have, you have a wander through space. It is, it is a wonder what we're making... I mean, it is a comic, 
as people dispute that it is, it really is, where it's, just, it's, it's, it's the document of a wander through a city that is being built, doesn't exist yet. So, yeah, then that's what it is. That's why it's called Think of a City, because it is, we are thinking of a city. We just don't, and you, you are thinking of a city. When you look at it, it's only partial. It's just as, as Tim documents a walk, he doesn't show everything. So we only show a bit like when you when you go to another city and you visit it and you walk up a street and you see these fragments of things and you get a glimpse inside somebody's house. Well, this is like that. It's just partial. And team, you do Ephratels for the Brixton Bugle? Um, I did, yeah, I've stopped. Have you stopped? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, not a question. <laughs> <laughs> only stopped recently. How many did you do in total? Uh, two years worth. Right, so right. Over 20, yeah. Right. So it was for a, a monthly comic strip for the Brixton Bugle, local paper. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> what an awkward follow up. <laughs> 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 step down, step down. So he was, he was fired. And what I was wondering about that is obviously it's set in a very specific place in yeah, that. Yeah, everything relates to Brixton. Yeah. It's, um, well, it was it's sort of humorous. No, it was, it was. You were yeah, I try, I try. <laughs> yeah. And what I was wondering there was like how much of it involved you going out and looking at things and trying to get inspiration from, from the space itself or was it you'd come up with an idea and then go and find the space or would uh, the space generate the ideas? Both, really. I think sometimes I would start with a, a thing in Brixton and then try and make a, a joke about it. So one of them was about the, the um, velodrome from the old Olympics and um, I can't remember what the joke was but about there being hipsters back in the day. <laughs> Um, and you you went to the velodrome to uh, not specifically, but I have Google image search. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I was wondering is if you did like mini wanders to sort of generate uh, things for that. Not really, but I lived near Brixton, so I would walk around and like be inspired by the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you could call it a mini wander. <laughs> it's quite it's quite demanding to do a regular strip. Yeah, I found it, and it was unpaid, so. <laughs> So they can't find it, really, can they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop sending us this. <laughs> We've moved. Yeah. We don't do any space. <laughs> um, does anyone have any questions for the panel? Anyone want to ask Tim about upcoming jobs to replace <laughs> Anyone from a local newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I have a question for Tim, actually. Okay. Tim, I think that your work has a very kind of depressive, despondent <laughs> feel. <laughs> it's just got fired, of course it has. <laughs> yeah. Feel about it. Um, but it's also quite political. And, yeah, I feel like you're being really critical of a city. And I feel like you're being critical of maybe society. Like you have uh, riots, poverty... Um, images of death <laughs> underneath. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and although the, it's quite subdued and it's quite a quiet comic, mm. um, I still feel that there's a kind of a, a superhero undercurrent to it, which is kind of the antithesis of your work. And yet I feel like maybe you are in fact... A superhero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in your spare time. Uh, yeah, I Is this true? Yeah. <laughs> it's a remarkable secret identity. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
There's a, an art movement, the Situationists, okay. who um, talk about some of the same things that you are, and that's why I think that you might be a superhero in okay. spare time. That's quite interesting. Would you, would you consider yourself a political artist? No, I no, thought I'd try to avoid any kind of political. Really? I completely agree with her, though. I, I think it's really not aware of this. No. <laughs> You're critical of society in this. Uh, I thought it was being quite nice to be. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more of an escape. Yeah, I think it's definitely trying to escape. Yeah. A lot of From the entrapment yeah, getting like out of the buildings and the city and then it, you end up in this other place, this but beautiful turning place. Turning into a bird and flying away. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of similarities between your work and John Reardon's. Yeah. But you're just doing it in different Differently, ways. okay. I don't yeah, think I'm he's a superhero, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's too overt about being a, a hero. No, I'm interested that you think it's political. But yeah. I, I hadn't intended it to be. Oh, okay. Mm. Cool. <laughs> All art is political. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Process is part of the Hold Fast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you might enjoy.